You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, I'm Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple. This is episode 50 of The Broken Meeple Show podcast. And so you're probably thinking, episode 50? Oh, is this going to be a special? What are you going to do that's special for episode 50? Well, nothing. Seriously, what, what am I supposed to do for episode 50? Go back 50 years of gaming? Be here till next week. Uh, shall I go back 50 years and see what games got released that year? No, because it was probably mostly rubbish. I mean, I'm, <laughs> 50 is just a weird number, honestly, so I'm not really that fussed about doing anything special for 50. Might have something to also do with the fact that not only am I running around like a headless chicken trying to get ready for my brother's wedding this weekend, which the more and more I realise I'm missing the UK Games Expo this year, the less I like it, because, you know, I've, obviously I'm going to this wedding, it will be great and all, but, you know, I'm going to miss the expo, and loads of people I know are going, and more publishers are returning to it, it's not going to be like the same, like, barely, well, a barely a convention like it was last year, and it's like, oh, it's like, why? Not only that, though, I've also got to put up with the fact that my neighbours have left, which means whoever is in there doing deep cleans at the moment and stuff is making a lot of noise not to mention i have to put up with a ton of screaming kids in some backyard somewhere i have no idea somewhere in the void that is my estate and you know listen to those constantly because obviously it's this we're getting into the summer and everybody's out on a sunday so i am recording this with a mild slight case of insanity but oh well how's that any different from a normal video i do but otherwise you know things are generally good with the channel the uh, you know We've stagnated a little bit on subscribers lately, but, you know, just under 17,000 still, so I would love to get this to 17,000 at some point soon, preferably before the end of June, that would be amazing. I mean, what do we need, another 113? It's got to be doable, surely. But I think that means I need to put out some better content, because we I've been putting out some content lately, and there's been some express reviews for some, well, some great and some not-so-great games, as well as stuff I've got on the go at the moment. I've got two giveaways that are coming soon. We've got one from Kiender, where we've got free games to give away. Uh, we've got a video where I'm talking about why Catan can still be considered a good game these days. Uh, you know, but Catan is not dead, but that is a Zatu-sponsored video, and that will have a uh, giveaway prize of a particular Zatu game of your choice. Uh, what else have we got? Oh yes, we've got... Uh, uh, Beyond the Base Game Returns for a couple of episodes. We've got one on the Gingopolis expansion, The Experts. But I think the one that will come before then is the one you're looking forward to more, I'm sure, which is the Architects Works of Wonder expansion. Yes, the new one that just fulfilled to Kickstarter backers. I've got it, I've played it, including the solo mode, and I give my full review of it. Uh, other than that, not much else in the way of content, but... Once this wedding is done and it's out of the way, the intention is that I can finally go back to uh, the like top 10s more often because I've got top 10 ideas I want to do, but then I also want to collaborate with other people. I've got some people on the go. I won't mention names, but certainly you know some people have uh, got in touch and including a couple of new faces. But the idea is, is that I want to get back to doing some of those top 10 lists myself and also the collaborations, the live streams, because they're always the most popular content and they're the ones I enjoy doing the most. There's just been a lot of games to review the last month and you know the wedding has taken up a bit of my time kind of 
organizing myself, shall we say. But like I say, we'll get back to some top 10 material after the wedding because I don't think anything else on my uh, sort of my table here is anything that desperately needs a review. Well, actually, no, tell a lie, Gutenberg. Gutenberg is over there, that needs a review. Uh, Sniper Elite, though, and Merchants of the Dark Road. We'll see how that goes. I'm not desperate to review those. And I did say that I would do some video on Perseverance, which will probably just be kind of like an Express-style video where I talk about the two episodes in general and my thoughts as to uh, whether per Perseverance is worth sticking around in my collection or whether it's uh, time to let it go for whatever reason. So... Yeah, I'm not as far... Well, we'll see. We'll see about Merchants and Sniper Elite. Maybe they'll just have to come a bit later. But thankfully, there hasn't been any major new releases lately that I have to go mad for. Uh, you would have already seen I did live reviews of Eternal Palace and Dice Theme Park for Alley Cat Games. They'll be showing these off at UK Games Expo, and I definitely recommend you give them a look. The problem is, is that I was experimenting with these two on live reviews because I thought, God blimey, it's so hard to get reviews done. Even in express format, they take time to edit. It's why you haven't seen many detail reviews because detail reviews take forever to edit and I'd rather spend that time editing the top 10 list, frankly. So I thought, like, well, let's try and get more express reviews done. The problem is that still takes time. So I thought, well, hang on, is there a way that I could do reviews uh, together in compilations? I've tried that before and it doesn't work. It's impossible to share them with other publishers. You can't share them on BoardGameGeek because your video has three or four games in it and BGG is one game per page. And on top of that, they just don't get as many views because people want to look at one particular game and not three or four at once. So I thought, right, well, let's try a live review format then. Let's go and just do one game but do it live on StreamYard. I don't have to edit a thing. I just have to do the stream, talk about it. It'll be a quick 20-minute video, no problem. Hoo-hoo-wee! No, no, it didn't turn out that way. Both videos easily got to, like, the 35, 47-minute mark. And bear in mind, this is including interacting with live chat. It's... It's just not a format I particularly enjoyed. I mean, I've had good constructive feedback back on it. Most people were positive, but I got to be honest with myself here. I wasn't a big fan of the way they turned out because these two games I could have reviewed in like a quarter of the time it took me to do those videos if I'd done it in express style. Not, not in terms of how long it takes to edit, but in how long the video is. People are fussy about how long videos are these days. That's just a thing. But on top of that, it was a nightmare to actually control the thing. Because I've got to control intros, transitions, uh, banners, you know, interact with the live chat, keep an eye on the comments because I don't have a moderator and stuff. Uh, I've got to do all of that while trying to condense my thoughts in the review, not waffle on too much, and get to the point and obviously give a verdict and make it fair. Whilst juggling around a ton of board game beat pictures in order to get the photo imagery up. It's too much. It's too much to do. It's too much of a hassle. Doing a top 10 live stream is fine because that one, I just speak my mind. And in the collaboration ones, the other people can talk, which allows me to just quickly bring up their image in that and then take a breather. You know, I don't have to do a ton of stuff myself, but even they're a lot of work. So I don't think I'm going to do any more of these live reviews. It was good to try it. And certainly I recommend just giving them a watch because I would like you to know more about these two games. But yeah, I experimented. I don't think the experiment worked. Uh, we'll stick to top 10s for live plays. Although I am revisiting the idea of doing digital uh, solo plays, like uh, streaming to like you know, Steam or whatever. But also I'm kind of trying to see if I is a way I can do playthroughs on this channel because playthroughs are popular. They are popular. 
but it's a nightmare with my space to sort things out. I mean, I'm supposed to be getting a replacement table from Geekazen at some point, but they're dragging their heels so badly with trying to get the replacement sorted, and that table would be slightly narrower, because I deliberately wanted a smaller size, because I think this one's too big. And so that would give me a little bit of extra space in this room. But uh, Tom from Slicker Drips uh, very kindly has told me what C-stand he uses in order to do his uh, top-down solo playthrough shots. So StreamYard can stream two cameras at a time. So if there's a way that I can set up a webcam as well for my face, because I haven't got green screen technology like Paul does, but if there's a way I can get a C-stand, have this laptop going that doesn't drain me out of like, you know, microphone noise, because that is the problem. The fan noise on the laptop might be a bit insane. But if I can get the webcam going, a C-stand with another camera going, maybe there's a way I can do solo playthroughs, possibly even do them live. We will have to see. But first things first, I need to grab the C-stand. Uh, I also need to find a camera because I do not want to use the Canon camera I use at the moment because one, it's heavy, and two, it's only HD max. It would be nice to actually work with some 4K footage, at least for the playthroughs, because 4K is better quality at the end of the day, and you really want that detail when you're looking at a playthrough. So I would like to see if anybody out there knows anything about trying to find a fairly reasonably priced, doesn't have to be budget, but it doesn't need to be too expensive because I don't need a million features. What I ideally want is a 4K camera that's not too heavy, that I can attach to a C-stand that could potentially stream wireless to YouTube. That's kind of what I'm more interested in, but we'll have to see. This is going to take some time and research, and I'm not an expert on these things, to be fair. So with that said, why don't we get on and just talk about uh, some stuff we're doing. So uh, what I played, what I played, well, uh, uh, I got a big game for you here. I had the pleasure of yesterday, in fact, going to London... That's not the main pleasure thing. It was more the fact of why I went to London. I went to London for the day to have a little chat and uh, gameplay with the lovely Sarah Shah. Yeah, she would recognize her from board games in a minute. You know, the one who on TikTok is able to basically do 60 second TikTok videos and explain about games, which is a publisher's wet dream, basically. Now, you know, I'm not a massive TikTok fan myself, but Sarah's a lovely lady and, you know, Get fair play to her channel is really popular and I get the market for TikTok one minute videos they work and it's great that someone's doing them well well you know yes uh, I look crap when I do selfies I have to admit but we met up in um, Foyle's bookstore whatever it is near Charing's Cross and we just grabbed a table and just played some games so um, I wonder if I can load up the actual full post here because there is more than one photo here I can tell you that but of course, that depends on my ability. Oh, there we go. So we played a few small games that I brought along. So we played some Alice's Garden. Uh, we played some Valley of the Kings. Uh, we whipped out Fort with the expansions because both of us are familiar with that. Fort is such a cool game to play with two players. It really is. Uh, but the main one that you're interested in is Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Yes. Um, Sarah was one of the lucky people who uh, Garfield Games was able to get a review copy too i have you know i can try it on tts but i've not got a review copy myself but you know garfield have explained that the main reason is just because of brexit you know brexit has screwed us up in the shipping idea and to ship a game from you know new zealand australia way all the way down to uk is expensive as all get out so you know it's it's just something i have to deal with but it is on tabletop simulator so at least i can still try it out there but I was very keen to play this one from a physical perspective 
with Sarah because I've never met her in person before. And obviously, this is the first of the new trilogy for Garfield games. Now, just to touch on what I think of some of the other Garfield games stuff, in terms of the North Sea trilogy, I have not played uh, Shipwrights or Explorers of the North Sea. So these are two games that aren't talked about a lot. I mean, you know, rank 3,149 is Shipwrights in the North Sea. I don't know anything about how these two games work, but it's the same style of artwork and cards that uh, Raiders of the North Sea has. But yeah, nobody really talks about Shipwrights. So, uh, you know, released nearly a decade ago at this point, you can... Yeah, you just have to go with the fact that, yes, I've not played it, but if no one's talking about it, that's got to speak some volumes. Now, a slightly more popular one is Explorers in the North Sea. Again, I have not played this, where you sail unexplored lands and herd animals and stuff. This one's only ranked 1,008. That's pretty good going, but this is the one of the two that I've not played that I would like to try. I Unfortunately, again, I know nothing about this. It's just it's another Shem Phillips design. It's Garfield Games. But in terms of whether it's any good to play, I don't know. It does look a little bit on the abstract side from components perspective, but could it be good? I don't know. It's uh, hard to say, really. I don't know what I would make of this, but I would like to try it. But I've got no interest in seeking it out like specifically. It's just if it turns out on if it turns up in somebody's bag, I would like to try it. Of course, everybody likes Raiders of the North Sea, and to be fair. I'm one of them. I've got the big box, 9 out of 10. This is easily the best one out of the first trilogy. I don't know. I think this one came last in the trilogy, funny enough, if I'm correct on that assumption. But, yeah, Raiders of the North Sea is just such a good game. You know, you are going out, plundering settlements nearby, getting loot, taking it back to your chief. The expansions that I throw in all the time, you know, you get mead, which is like drinking for temporary strength. You can get leaders, you can go fight other chieftains. There's uh, like quests you can do, which are basically just fulfill a condition and get some points. But again, it's more past a victory. You know, this is just a nice solid game with a cool worker placement twist of like you have one worker at a time, Three different colors. When you place a worker down, you do the action, and then you take another worker off the board and do the action of where you took the worker off. A little twist, but it just makes this one a nice, entertaining game. And with the playmat and cards and everything, it's a thing of beauty when you put it on the table. You know, I really enjoy this one, and obviously, I think it's universal pretty much. Like 99% of people are going to agree that Raiders is the best one of the first trilogy. Now, when it comes to West Kingdom Trilogy, uh, things are a little bit different. There are two games that I love in this one. So, first off, we have Architects of the West Kingdom, which I believe is probably my favorite of Garfield Games stuff, actually. Because this one and Viscounts keeps fighting for contention, but I think Architects has now sort of taken the, like, the top spot. For several reasons. Firstly, this one I can play with pretty much any player count, really. But certainly, it works best. It works best multiplayer. There are some games five counts can be included where, when you start adding to the number of players, the length just goes a little bit too far. Here, even with five or six players from from, well, I think the normal game can do five, but six with the expansion, the game doesn't take too long if you play with the right people. But even teaching new players, I've had this go. In relatively quick time providing I can get the teacher across. The rules are not that complicated and the iconography get you get used to but the turns are just super fast so 
it doesn't feel like you're on a ton of downtime. By the time you've planned your next turn, it is your turn, and then you do your turn, and then you've got just enough time to plan again before you go round. But this one, having the twist of arresting other people's workers and dumping them in prison for money, getting the apprentices that allow you to, you know, develop your own little path to victory and combos. This is just such a good streamlined, well, I say semi-streamlined uh, worker placement game that again throws a twist on the usual formula and with the new expansion Works of Wonder, which as I say, we will be getting to that in a uh, future video. Well, let's just say this one has kind of certified itself as the best of the trilogy in my opinion. So, you know, yep, I love this one. You've definitely got to try this if you're a worker placement fan because if you haven't yet and you are a worker placement fan, then what are you doing? Speaking of Viscounts, uh, why don't we do that one next? Uh, Viscounts came third in this trilogy. God, I've got a lot of rumblings going on next door. I hope you can't hear it over the microphone. But the Viscounts of the West Kingdom, another 10 out of 10 for me. This one just has, it takes the idea of like a semi-deck builder and really does do some cool stuff with it. So you have got a board with a rondelle effectively that you move your piece around and go to locations. But your movement is dependent on a character that you place on your player board that moves in a conveyor belt style across your board three characters before it eventually discards out of play. You get more characters to kind of build up your deck, but the character's money value dictates your movement. And then they have icons, which you use to power the various actions you do. So the more icons you get of a certain type, the better the action is. You can build buildings to give you some special bonuses and more icons and stuff. But on top of that, these characters have abilities that trigger when they're on your board, go on your board, or fall off your board. There's just some really cool things that you can build with this, and I think it's such a clever system. And again, not too, you know, not too difficult to get your head round. Although, as you can see from the board, there is a plethora of iconography that you have to get used to. But again, it once you've played it a couple of times, it does seem to work nicely. But does go a little bit slow with four players, but one, two, well, two or three players, this shines, and it's got one of the best solo modes I've seen in the game where, you know, you, this is what pioneered their solo modes, basically. I don't know, actually, I don't know, did Paladins do it first? Well, I don't know, uh, we'll get on to Paladins, but Viscounts did this great solo mode where you have an AI deck, but it's easy to pilot it. Like, you go through a sequence, one, two, three, here's your options, can it do this option? No, it goes to the next option, their turn's done, and you carry on. It doesn't require a ton of overhead to pilot it in that, like some of the heavier stuff like the Mind Clash and Vital Asserta Euros do. This is just such an excellent game, but it is a bit more divisive. There are a few people that aren't big fans of it, but I'm certainly a big fan, and I'm going to continue being a big fan, especially when we get the expansions coming later this year. Two of them, in fact. Cannot wait. Uh, that's going to be great. Now, Paladins... Don't worry, we will get to Wayfarers eventually. I'm not going to have a huge discussion topic or a ton of news today, so most of this episode will be spent on this. But Paladins of the West Kingdom is the one I kind of cooled down on relatively quickly. Yes, it's 6 out of 10 there. You're probably thinking, well, Luke, hang on, when you reviewed this, didn't you give it an 8? Yes, I did. 8 was the best I could give it. I thought, this is fine, but here's my problems with it. I reviewed it, and I actually kind of regret giving it an 8. I think I should have given it a 6. It's a fine game, but it is super dry. Like, everything in here is abstracted down. These actions that you're doing don't really have any thematic background to them. The, the way that you power these actions by putting 
color meeples on various spots. It's entirely mechanical and it just doesn't make any sense. So that already is something that, you know, remember my law. The first game, mechanically sound, will make me enjoy it. But the good solid theme will make me come back for the second play. Or something to that effect. You know, it doesn't always happen that way. But as I say, the better the theme, the more likely I'm going to keep coming back and playing it. This has no theme whatsoever. This is a complete dry point salad game. But all you do with this is basically, when you start the game, you basically, in order to win, you've got to essentially have one action that produces a type of color resource, whatever, that um, that takes a certain color resource, produces another color, which is used in another action, which needs that color, and then produces another color. So, you know, this action requires red, produces blue. Or the other action I should be doing a lot must require blue and produce something else. So basically all you really do is that you pick two, maybe three of these actions that you're going to spam like crazy for the game. Like you're going to do a lot of fortifying garrison, or you're going to do a lot of attack and convert, or a ton of commission and absolve. And then you just kind of keep doing that over and over again ad nauseum. It, it just got very repetitive. The chinks in the armor started showing. I'm sure there's people that will disagree and say there's more to it than that. But I don't know. I just didn't get enough out of this one the whole paladins aspect was okay like all deciding which one of these to do but it was mainly just to decide which color meeples you got and where you ended up on certain tracks it just i don't know they didn't I, I was hoping for more from the paladins and all these cards that you could do oh i can conquer this saras uh, i don't know these various other people and they just they're just point scoring opportunities but it's just a point salad at the end of the day i yeah i I bounced off this one hard. I mean, I'd still play it, but I will not play this with more than two players. I'm sorry. The game length of this with the setup and takedown was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, the chinks in the armor just started showing themselves a little bit too soon after I reviewed it. And now it's easily my least favorite of the West Kingdom trilogy. So, we had one in the North Sea that I really like. And it may sound like, whoa, are we ragging on a bit there with uh, Garfield Games? Well, no, because bear in mind, two of them I have not played in the North Sea trilogy, but given what their rankings and ratings and lack of exposure are, I'm guessing that Raiders is the real big one there. Uh, this one, all three games are doing fantastically well, but Architects and Viscounts are the two that I love. And when I say love, I mean 9, 10 out of 10s. It's not like, oh, I just, these three are all right. No, these are three games that are like in my top 50 games of all time. So this isn't just like, this is love. When Garfield Games pull it out of the park, they really knock it out of the park <laughs> and it creates such a cool game. So what I'm interested in is will this new trilogy give me free for free? Because we got one, then we got two for free, and now we're hoping for free for free. I have backed this on Kickstarter, so don't worry, this will be one that I certainly will give a full review when the time comes. Hopefully no delays on the, uh, <laughs> like, the arrival of the backers, but Wayfarers of the South Tigris. I do not care about whether it's South Tigris or whatever. I mean, let's say they are clearly going with this whole North Sea, West Kingdom, South Tigris. So I'm curious what East is going to be. But with this one, this is a... That's how to best describe this one. This is very much a build-your-own tableau game with a point-salad style like Paladins of the West Kingdom with a plethora of iconography, but it mixes in a little bit of worker placement, a little bit of dice placement or utilization of dice. But the main thing is mainly about acquiring cards, building this tableau in front of you of uh, some landscapes, some water, like oceans and harbors, as well as some space cards. You're basically, 
in a sense, uh, explorers trying to, like, uh, what's the word? Um, transcribe maps or whatever. I can't remember. But you're basically trying to, like, map out the land and obviously discover stuff. So you're discovering stars. You're looking at comets. You're discovering new lands. You're discovering new waters. You know, you're, you're out to chart the area, basically. You're a wayfarer at the end of the day. The theme, whatever. <laughs> I mean, this is very much paladins and viscounts level of dryness in terms of what's going on it is mostly about what combos and stuff that you pull off and like you know icons and what you do with your dice and that but oh my word just from that play alone we're on with a potential hit here not flawless hit there are some issues i'll go into into a minute but wow i really enjoyed this one this is a combo love combo if you were into making combos or into multiple like varied paths to victory, you are in with an absolute treat here. You can do so many things in this game, it's ridiculous. This is like this is like the Fields of Arl of the Garfield Games lineup. You know, it's uh there's just so many things. So you could decide, right, am I gonna I mean, the end of the game is triggered when somebody gets to the end of the journal. And ideally you should probably all be going along the journal at some pace. But how you do it is up to you. When you do it is up to you. Your main thing is all these cards around the outside of the board. So you've got townsfolk. Lovely townsfolk. Can't forget them. You've got the space cards. You've got inspiration cards, which basically double the points of a space card if you meet a certain condition. You've got the water cards. You've got the land cards. And you are building up your tableau in front of you to show... Um, there's not many pictures on Borgingi, but hopefully we can get some more. So here's like the main board. And... With these cards, they have like immediate benefits, they have ongoing abilities, they might give you spots to place dice where you can like place a dice, spend some resources, and get more cards than that. But in terms of what you do with the dice, your player board, if I can find a good bit of the player board, come on, come on, work with me, our board game geek. I'm just asking for the player board. So here's like an example of where you can put a dice in order to trigger a specific action. But what I am trying to find, if this game, if Board Game Geek would actually cut me some slack, is, I'll find it in a second, it's basically your own board. So, yeah, here we go. Let's just load up this one. Here we go. So, at the top of the board, you basically have a little grid with spaces that you can put upgrade tiles on. And this basically changes the face of the dice. Without needing to actually bolt things onto the dice or get custom dice, it's literally just the case that if I put an upgrade tile on the 2 column, then that means every time I use the number 2 on the dice action, it has these additional benefits as well. The customization in this game is insane. You know, I can do whatever I like with these dice, depending on my strategy. I could go heavy into water. I could go heavy into land. I could do a bit of everything. I could really focus on space and uh, get some of these inspiration cards. Um, you can get bonus points for sets. You can get bonus points for having loads of the same thing. You've also got workers that you can put around the side of the main board to do other actions. You can even influence these guilds, which give you a special ability in a turn, some bonus points, but... With the workers around the board, you can also put you put them on the cards in order to like do the action off the board. And if you take the card, you take the worker. So you can get additional actions you can do with those. But if somebody puts influence on a card, you've got to pay that person uh, silver and provisions in order to use the card. There's a 
Now, there's a little bit of interaction in the sense that people will nick your cards and get in the way of you on journals and obviously put influence and workers out all over the board. So it's not a waste of time that the other players are there, unlike something like, say, Paladins, I would say. Yeah, that really does feel multiplayer solitaire. But it's not like this game is super interactive. So you are getting something where you're kind of creating your own tableau and nobody's going to mess with the tableau per se. It's just uh, you've got to keep an eye on others as to whether they might be going for some of the things you want or putting influence where you don't want them to. But, oh my, you can do so much. I mean, when I played it with uh, uh, Sarah Shar. I went heavy on space cards, so I was grabbing like star cards because I was getting extra points for getting star cards, grabbed some inspiration cards that went well with them, I grabbed a planet and a few comets to get those, but I was definitely building up a big varied tableau of cards so that I could get all the space stuff. I didn't really care what I built on land or in water, it was more that I had the space. Sarah uh, got off to a slow start on the journal but managed to pick up her, like she was picking up a lot of workers quite often and getting a lot of rest abilities with townsfolk. I didn't get that many townsfolk, but I was able to get my dice in advance so I didn't have to rest that often if I'd had multiple dice actions. So I picked up a lot of these action cards that gave me spots to use with dice. I upgraded the dice so that they had a lot of the sailboat and camel symbols and telescope symbols and that, and used that to my advantage. We played two very different styles of games and it felt like each of us was doing something really nice and unique. And now I wiped the floor with her and points, but we got to put a big asterisk over this game because we did get some rules wrong. And here lies the first issue, the rule book. I get the idea that this is a Kickstarter, pre-Kickstarter rulebook that we were reading, okay? This was a review copy that was sent out, you know, before it's a finalized product. So do not take this as gospel, but they need to go through that rulebook a few times with an editor before they release it because we had a fair few questions that we had to ask about certain icons or how certain things work like whether this is the cost of grabbing an upgrade tile uh, is this the silver cost or a space card or is that something else there was a few things that were a little bit ambiguous and the book doesn't do a very good job of explaining them so I fear that this could end up with quite a big FAQ section if it's not careful you really do need to get an editor to have a last look through your book and make certain that that is great before reading release that's some advice i'm going to give you now if you're listening uh but yeah that was a little bit of an, a problem during and we did get some rules wrong that like we weren't putting workers on cards originally we were putting them on the board so it was difficult for us to get workers back and forth which was kind of insane uh what else did we get wrong um we got resting abilities right we got dice actions right I think we got journals right. Uh, I think most of the rules we got right, but there was definitely that aspect we were doing wrong. We might have treated the money thing with space cards wrong, so perhaps we were paying... I think we were paying a lot of silver to get space cards when it turned out we didn't need to. So, yeah, there was that aspect. There was just some stuff that we were like, oh, yeah, you know what? Maybe we kind of, like... I mean, bear in mind... Sarah had not played it for a while, and obviously that was my first time ever playing it. I just read the rules and that was it. You know, I hadn't had any time to tinker around with the game. But I feel confident that with another skim of the rulebook, I could teach this on Tabletop Simulator fine. And certainly, I'm going to play it again. Because I just thought it was so much fun fun yeah you know, i get to choose all these different cards all these options and this is the other problem analysis paralysis now, this game has a high potential for analysis paralysis because you have 
all these options on the board. I mean, you've got the guild, you've got your journal, you've got all the cards surrounding it, you've got the upgrade tiles, which ones of those you want to do, you've got the dice actions, you've got the worker actions. Oh my word, you have so many options on this game. It's insane. It's one of the reasons I love it, because I think it's a brilliant, like, clever design, and I want to play it lots. But I can see this being quite long, even with three players, let alone four. Four players is going to take this to obscene levels, and I hope they find some way to speed it up uh, by now, because I'm a little hesitant about wanting to play this with four at the speed it's likely to go. However, with two players, it was great. You know, even with us APing at times, we were still having a good, good time. And obviously, this will have a solo mode akin to the solo modes we've had recently. So if that's the case, I could see this being such a fun solo game for me. I would love to play this against an AI where they're taking certain cards and putting workers around the place. And I'm having to decide, oh, I want that card. Oh, I want this card. I want this card. And then, and then I'll grab that worker and I'll do this little combo here and this little power play. Yay! Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So, yeah, I've spoken a lot about this, but all I can say for now is first impressions. I'm very, very like positive on this. I think this is going to be a surefire hit. I think this will definitely sell out well. I think it will be very popular indeed. Uh, but this is only based on first impressions. So first impressions are highly positive. But when I get a game properly through the Kickstarter, I will do a full review after playing it some more and more and more. And I'll be interested to see whether any of those thoughts change. Does the rulebook improve? Is the solo mode going to be good? You know, but I am looking forward to it. I cannot wait. You know, please let this be a free for free trilogy. That would be amazing. Right, whew, that was a bit. I'm going to sip a little bit of mint tea. Or take a massive gulp of it, anyway. Right, uh, let's get in some news. We're not going to talk about too many news, because obviously we just spent 35 minutes doing that. But mainly just a couple of things. Uh, firstly, very quickly, if you know anything about Marvel Champions, you already know about this anyway, so what exactly are you worried about? But uh, Marvel Champions, the card game, still going strong still like really popular i still really enjoy it i've got all the games uh, can you see them in the picture there yeah you can see them at the side of the screen if you're watching on youtube but interesting they've announced another big expansion so what do you think is coming to uh, marvel champions now i mean we've done like the spider-man heroes we've done a ton of um, you know x-men and stuff like that so what do you think's possibly next for them well if I could find the wretched link, here we go, and here we are, Mutant Genesis. They don't have a picture for it yet on uh, Board Game Geek, but, oh yes they do, just for some reason it's not showing up on the main one, but yes, X-Men finally come to Marvel Champions in more than just an ally format, or actually, did any X-Men, yeah, X-Men must have been in the game at some point up to now, weren't they? I hope they were but yeah now we have a big box for it so you look at that you've got the sentinels you're gonna have magneto you get to play as colossus or shadow cat or like kitty pride for now but you'll be able to get allies of things like wolverine and that uh um you know sentinels you'll fight you'll fight against saber tooth and magneto and one other person i can't remember who the other one was there's a couple of like sentinel related ones but they're also going to release a couple of actual packs with this for, I think, Cyclops and one other X-Men. I can't remember who, but essentially, yeah, X-Men are coming. Later this year, we're going to get the X-Men finally, and 
I'm definitely excited for this because I like the X-Men. The X-Men cartoon series is one of the better cartoon series I think that came out around that time. I mean, I mean, you had cool superheroes with special powers. You had one of the most kick-ass, like, addictive theme songs you could get uh, with the sort of like the guitar, the guitar, the exploded eggs. <laughs> it's like, it was so cool. But the also, you should look at the behind the scenes of how that first episode came about and how the series started off as a success. It's quite an interesting talk. I think. Uh, um, what's the Fox Kids episode that Nostalgia Critic did? He goes into detail about how it came, about the genesis of the X-Men cartoon series. It's pretty interesting. But the, but yeah, I'm looking forward to X-Men and Marvel Champions. Bring it on. More X-Men, please. <laughs> you know, when are we going to get Wolverine as a playable character, though? That's got to be fun, surely. Right, uh, very quickly, we have more Deluxe Catan coming. Yes, did you like Catan? I mean, I love Catan. Okay, I'm not going to deny that. And the video I'm doing soon is why Catan is not dead. But even I have to draw the line when it comes to these 3D versions. Because these 3D versions sell for several hundred dollars or pounds, no matter where you are. And they already did a 3D Catan, which was basically the base set only. Now you can get Seafarers and Cities and Knights in 3D version with Catan. And... To its credit, if you've got Seafarers and Cities and Knights and normal Catan, you're kind of set for a long time with it. And I'm not going to deny, it looks gorgeous. I mean, I would love to play Catan with these 3D pieces all the time. But that's a lot of money to throw out on Catan. I mean, if you're buying the Catan 3D and this one, bear in mind this is just a stand, uh, an expansion, it's not even standalone, you're paying something in the region of a good 400 to 600 pound of anywhere you buy this from. I mean... It, I you you should be able to get, I think, the base 3D one for 200 quid. This one's going to be another 200 at least plus. You're talking probably 500 quid worth of investment here. I like Catan. I really like Catan. Even I have my limits. I'm not this crazy with my money. So, I, who's who has bought these 3D Catans? I would like to know where you've got more money than any... more. Not more money than cents, but just more money than God, I think, at this point, if you're able to afford these without any problem. I, yes, there'll be heirlooms and stuff like that, but can you imagine if you damaged anything in one of these? It would just be an absolute nightmare to deal with. Funny enough, though, on the subject of unnecessary, um, you know, <laughs> unnecessary deluxe versions, Fantasy Realms is getting a deluxe edition later this year. Fantasy Realms. Right, as in the quick card game by WizKids, where you basically collect a, diff a load of different cards and you know they score points in different ways depending on what you combo them with. It's a neat little game, but the original Fantasy Realms looks like bleh. It's vomit-inducingly bad artwork, and it just looks horrible. They tried to do a similar thing with Red Rising with Stonemaier Games. However, that ended up being too convoluted, too confusing, too much AP, too long a game, and with a theme that nobody has any idea what on earth it's even about. So it's like, yeah, did not care about Red Rising. Fantasy Realms was definitely the preferred of the two. Now, Deluxe Edition. Hmm. All you need to do is just release the game with good artwork and I'd be perfectly happy. I don't think we need a full-on Deluxe Edition, although... Having a big score pad is pretty cool. The artwork on this new version does look a lot better. I mean, it's not stellar, but it definitely looks... About, I mean, look at this undead lich there. That's pretty cool. This outsider here, he looks like he's got, like, a mouth of teeth in his chest. It's, uh... There's some interesting stuff here, but it kind of looks like something out of an 80s, like, almost like Thundercats-style cartoon. It's kind of what I'm getting the vibe here. But, yeah, this artwork is definitely a bigger improvement, you know. So, that's already a good thing. But you're going to get this, um, 
the thing I don't like is, you know when people re-release games and they put this tiny little expansion in that you can only get via this? I'm trying to think. It's got original base game with all new art and graphic design. Uh, here we go. The Cursed Horde, which includes two expansion modules, also with new graphic design. So I think that was already available with the original set. So I think you're basically going to get the expansions built in. But then you've got the Jester and Phoenix cards, which were only available as promo cards. And some extras. And to be fair, it's giving you sleeves. So this is a pretty decent like collection you're getting. But you won't be able to get this additional extra content unless you buy this version. So if you've got the original Fantasy Realms, you're kind of chucking that away and buying this one. And this is going to cost in the region of like 30 quid, 35 pound. So it's not the cheapest version of Fantasy Realms ever. But then people were buying Red Rising, so what do I know? I don't know, I'm, I'm interested in this though. I mean, I can afford... I, it's probably expensive for what the game is, but I mean, if it's got protective sleeves and it's got better artwork, so it looks nice. Fantasy Realms is a good, fun, fairly random card game. I mean, it's not like there's a huge amount of skill in it because it is random. A lot of elements of it is random at the end of the day, but it's a quick game and it does the job. In fact, it probably does the job a little bit too well with the scoring because I find the scoring takes longer than the actual game. But if it's going to give you a score pad, which it looks like it does, that should make life a lot easier to do the scoring. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested in this. I might I might be interested in picking this one up, whether to review or just for a personal copy, because I don't own Fantasy Realms. But yeah, maybe Deluxe is going a little bit far. Maybe this one isn't quite so unnecessary. But in fact, um, are we going to do? Are we going to do a discussion topic of this? Right, we're already at forty-two minutes. Uh, you know what? Nah, we'll save the discussion for another time. We're just going to go with um. Actually, why don't we just make this the discussion? The Spieldiaris Awards. Yes, Spieldiaris. Spieldiaris has finally announced its nominations for 2022. This is a German-based award. And I liked the Spieldiaris a bit more in the past. Nowadays, much like other awards, I mean, you remember what I said about the UK Games Expo Awards before? Things just seem a little bit confused or a little bit skewed. Um, look at this. So, we've got the nominations for uh, Spudiaris. So, let's see if I can find better pages for them. Can I find images? Now we'll just go with this. So, I'm going to ignore Kinderspiel, right? Kinderspiel Diaris, you've got Outschlung Clever, which is, that's pretty clever kids. Uh, you've got Quacks of Quedlinburg Dash, or whatever it is, which hasn't even been released yet outside of Germany. And uh, you've got something called, uh, what was it, Magic Mountain whatever i don't know i don't play kids games so i have no idea if these are any good so you know good luck to all three of them i reckon cracks will win it but i don't play kids games so i wouldn't really know how to comment on this okay so moving up we have the spiel diaris itself so let's have a look at the spiel diaris one first so the nominations are Cascadia, you will know about that one if you've read my, uh, watched my reviews, Scout by Oink Games, which is apparently a ladder climbing game, and something called Top 10 by Cocktail Games. What boggles my mind though is that you look at the recommendation list and there's So Clover, which you would think, given Just One was already a big hit, that would get enough of a big hit anyway. Trek 12 Himalaya, I've not heard of that one. My Gold Mine, again, not heard of that one. Magic Rabbit. I've heard of. Uh, Echoes, The Dancer, definitely not heard of that. And Seven Wonders Architects. How did Seven Wonders Architects not make the not make the nominations list? That is 
definitely worthy of a spill the Aris entry, I think. Someone does Architects. But one on there for these two others. I mean, if Cascadia does not win this spill the Aris, I'm going to be shocked. You know, Cascadia is such a good gateway game. It is such a cool game even for gamers to play. I love playing it. Uh, gamer friends of mine have loved it. I've taught it to so many people. I It's in my collection. It's permanent. And, you know, this is just such a good design. Way better than the original Calico one. But Scout and Top 10. What are Scout and Top 10? I mean, Scout is, you know, an oink game, which means aside from being expensive, because oink games are expensive, you pay like £20 nearly for a tiny little box with a game in it. But this apparently came out two years ago. And this is obviously... One thing to get with the Spiel the Aris Award is that it's based on when they're released in Germany. So even though Scout came out at least two, three years ago, if it's only just come out in Germany it can be eligible for the award. And we're going to see an example of that later on. But I've never heard of this game. And honestly, I don't know if it would it'd like it or not. I mean, I like quirky little card games, but Oink games have never really sung to me. You know, Insider was fine. I didn't like Deep Sea Adventure at all. Um, uh, Royal, uh, was that? Fake Artist Goes to New York is a bit of a laugh. But there are other ones I've just played and gone, have gone, meh. But they've never also been able to justify the £20 price tag for most of their games. So this one here just... I mean, it, it's cards with multiple colours and black text and numbers on it. That's it. What else is there to this game? Why is this such, like, a massive hit that it's worthy of a Spill Diaris? Now, I don't... I mean, is it a trick taker? I don't think it's a trick taker. I think it was ladder climbing, wasn't it? Ladder climbing game in which cards have two potential values. Players may not rearrange the hand of cards, and players may pass their turn to take a card from the current set of high cards into their hand. Okay, but what are you actually trying to do? What's the goal of the game? Um, players receive one VP for face-down cards, and then subtract one point for each card in their hand. Uh, what are you trying to do? I Too much to read here in terms of getting the idea of the game, but yeah, I mean, I've... I've not heard of this one. Has anybody else there played Scout and could let me know in the comments what this is like? But yeah, over Seven Wonders Architects, I'm not seeing it. And then what's Top 10? I have not heard of Top 10. Yeah, the, the Spill the Irish used to at least be fairly well-known games, even from an international point uh, perspective, not just from a Germany perspective. But what's this one? So, Top 10, 49 players, released in 2020 originally, re-implemented by a game called Top 10 18 Plus, which I'm sure is not something you want to be playing. Stop it with these adult and dark versions of these games. It's not cool. It never was. Uh, your goal in Top 10 is to buy five rounds, so you and your fellow players need to figure out how to get things in order. Uh, what is it you're trying to do? So, so, one player is the round's chief, gives all cards a random card numbered 1 to 10, then they read one of the 500 fiend cards included in the game. So, sorry, get my voice back. Uh, Batman wants to replace Robin to fight the bad guys, e.g. Create a new duo, Batman and... And it says, from the worst to the best. The chief looks at their number and then gives an answer based on that number. If they have a 1, they want to give the worst possible suggestion. If a 10, the best. If a 5, 7, somewhere in the middle. Each other player then gives an answer to his theme based on the number they were dealt. Then the chief needs to decide who has the lowest number, then the next lowest, and so on. For each mistake, the chief flips a unicorn token over to its poop side. Really? Unicorn and poop? Could you not have come up with some... That's a... Oh, God. Is that... Ay, ay, ay. Seriously, we don't need these stupid little poop gimmicks and that on the cover. But whatever. I mean, it's just a point-scoring marker. Uh, if all the... 
if all the unicorns have left by the end of the fifth round, leaving you with nothing but poop, then you lose, otherwise you win. So is this a co-op then? I'm guessing it's a co-op. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, mechanisms, cooperative games. So you are trying to... So this feels like a kind of... Almost like a cross between Just One and... The, oh, what was that game called? Wavelength. Because Wavelength, you had to measure on a little dial to say where, like... Where do you think from like worst to like most likely, least likely, and you had to plot it on this dial where you couldn't see where the uh, points were, but you had to think, right, based on the clue giver's uh, answer and that, where do you think it would be? So this is a similar thing. I am surprised that any game that mentions the word poop gets on the spill the Yaris, frankly. God knows what the top 10 18 plus one is then. But I don't know. I mean, it sounds okay, but it basically just sounds like a smaller version of Wavelength. A uh, bit. Could be fun for a nice little party game, but I'm just not seeing the, like, Spildiaris contender here. I mean, was it just a slow year? How did Seven Wonders Architects lose to these two? Uh, I don't know. I would try them. I don't see top 10 winning, honestly. Uh, I certainly don't see uh, the Shout or whatever it was. Uh, was it Shout? I forgot what it was called now. It's a Scout. Sorry. <laughs> uh, th 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 this one's got to go to Cascadia. It must. I will cry foul. If, uh, in fact, honestly, if, I'll make a deal, if one of these two, Scout or Top 10, wins the Spiel de Yaris, other than Cascadia, I will try my best to seek out a copy of the respective game and get it reviewed, so that I can make my own little decision as to whether it was Spiel de Yaris worthy, okay? Because I will certainly be interested to know what happened on those ones, especially, I mean, Please don't let it be top 10. I'd rather not have to find that one. But, uh, you know, I would be intrigued to see what Scout is about. But come on, it's got to go to Cascadia. It just has to. All right, well, what about the Kennerspiel then? Kennerspiel's usually got more interesting choices. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah, I already knew what these three were in advance. And I must admit, I've rolled my eyes as well. Uh, firstly, well, firstly, Cryptid is a fantastic game. I really like Cryptid, I've been teaching it a lot recently, and it's a cool game. Bear in mind, this is only just released with a German version, courtesy of, I think, Skellig Games, or whatever it is. So that's why it's a contender for the list. I would love it to win. I think it's a great game. I mean, it's super simple to teach. It's super simple setup and that. All you gotta do is just set up six tiles and put a few buildings on it and read a passage from a book, and that's it. You're done. Get going. And it makes you think, and the game's not that long or short. It's perfectly a contender for a Kennerspiel, or eh, maybe it should be Spiel the Arts, but I don't know. It is quite finky at times, particularly in advanced mode, so I'd say Kennerspiel's fine for it. June Imperium. Uh, I mean, it is simple enough for this. I mean, it's not a particularly complex game, even though it likes to try and take two to two and a half hours to finish. But... I mean, I a bit like Paladins of the West Kingdom. I liked it more at first. Then it started getting repetitive. The cards, I found that so many of those cards in the deck were just garbage. So you only fa you found the tableau display just clogged up with garbage all the time. Solo mode was pretty decent. I'm not the biggest Dune fan anyway. I thought the film was boring as all get out. Uh, yeah, that would probably get more uh, hate than anything else, really. But... The game is fine, but I don't want it to win the Kenner Spiel. I feel like the Cryptid... I, I would rather Cryptid won it than Dune Imperium, but... Dune Imperium is very popular, but then is Dune Imperium that popular in Germany? That's the interesting thing. Or is it more of an American thing? More of a... Europe, more like a British thing, maybe, that Dune Imperium is so popular. Could be interesting to see what the German market thinks of it. But Living Forest... Living Forest... 
Who's talking about that game? I played it at Essen. It's okay at best. The Dice Tower did a review of it. Fairly meh reviews. It's not a complex game. I mean, you basically just push your luck in a similar way to Mystic Veil. And then with the symbols, buy some cards, get some trees, and we'll put out some fires. I mean, it's a nice game, and it is very pretty. Not going to, uh, you know, deny that. But Living Forest for Kennerspiel? I mean, it was, I think, on that booth, you know, Pegasus or one of the others. So I guess, you know, in Germany, this would actually be a particular hit. So... I suppose there is that. Um, yeah, it's not a bad game by any means. And it is cheap. I mean, you can buy it over here for like £20, like just over £20, like £22 or something. And that is an absolute bargain for this game, I gotta admit, because it is produced quite well. It's very nice artwork. But yeah, I was just kind of expecting something to get a little bit more complicated than Living Forest to be in here. So yeah, the Spiel of the Arts has gone a little bit weird lately because. I don't know, in recent years, I feel like a lot of these awards have just kind of jumped the shark a little bit. But we shall see how things go. I mean, I would like Cryptid to win the Kenner Spiel, but I reckon Dune Imperium's going to win it. I have no idea about the Kinder Spiel one. I have a feeling the Quacks, of Quidlam, uh, the Quack, Quacks Dash will win it, but I have nothing to really base that opinion on. And the Spiel of the Iris had better go to Cascadia because I will flip my lid if it doesn't. I mean, it's won enough awards as it is, but then... It's a perfectly designed gateway game. Why shouldn't it get a lot of this credit? So, yeah, that's my thoughts on there. So, yeah, whew, I think that's a good time to wrap it up there for episode 50. So, yeah, a bit of news, a bit of talk about the Spill the Aris uh, nomination. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, later on. And also a big, hefty discussion about what I think about Garfield Games' lineup in general and my thoughts, positive as they were, on Wayfarers of the South Tigris. So, yeah, the voice is going. I've already done a lot of video editing today, so I'm trying to get a lot of content ready for when I go to my brother's wedding because I'll be out of action other than possibly some, like, checkups of my channel, which I'll take my laptop with me for the hotel room while I'm in there. But... You know, I might be able to sort of log on every now and again. But yeah, pretty much from Wednesday through to Sunday, I'm going to be out of action. So I'm going to try and have some content lined up, already set out, maybe tweak it while I'm while I'm out, you know, in the hotel room. But they'll be recorded, they'll be ready, they'll be uploaded. It's just a case of scheduling them and making certain that they're ready to air. So all that stuff I've mentioned should be releasing in the next week to give you plenty of stuff to chew on until I get back and can start doing some more top 10s, hopefully. So yeah. Plenty enough cool stuff on the horizon, but with that, I shall love you and leave you. So, you know, by all means, hashtag support small creators. Consider checking out the Patreon if you want to help the channel get some more review copies and equipment. As I mentioned, I've got to invest in another camera and C-stand and all that gubbins. All that stuff costs money, but i got to do my research first. But I thank you all Patreons who have helped me with this channel this channel wouldn't be here in this current state if it wasn't for you everything that i've managed to do to improve the channel i owe to you guys honestly thank you very much uh, on top of that though you can check out the uh, live reviews i did to see what you thought of them as i say i'm not going to do the live review format again i just think it's too much but you can see what it was like to see me experiment with something because not all experiments work and of course uh, the reviews that i've been doing in you know recent uh, weeks with uh, Alice's Garden, First Contact, Wonderland's War, Caesar, Get On Board. There's a mix of positivity and negativity in those reviews. So, uh, yeah, you're going to get your money's worth of content. And, you know, 
thank you for everybody who's been watching the channel, who's been supporting me, who's been subscribing to uh, you know, my various social media channels, particularly Instagram, which is building up nicely. Keep an eye out for the giveaways when they release in the next week because those giveaways will involve you having to get on those social media channels for myself and either Kienda or Zatu and you know do stuff with those. So by all means, that's the way it works, but you've got some chances to win some great games. Bearing in mind, Kienda, I think, is going to be UK-based only. Uh, Zatu might be posting the worldwide. I'll have to double-check with them, but we'll say it on the video anyway. But that's it for me. I'll see you next time. And remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now, and love you all. Have a good weekend.